read the words that we read last week. We will continue with that theme. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Praise God. Father, we are grateful to you. This morning we come in the name of Jesus. We pray that you will speak into our life. Touch us, revive us, draw us closer to you, Lord. Release your anointing in this place that will make the proclamation of your word effective. In Jesus' name we bind every critical spirit, every resistance to the proclamation of God's word, be stilled and we take victory in the house. They overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. So be it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Please be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Guard your heart. We'll continue with our theme. Solomon pens it, keep your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart. And we raised a few questions. Why guard your heart? Who should guard your heart? From what should we guard our heart? And how do we guard our heart? So I'm going to do a quick two minutes recap. Heart, when we first hear the term heart, what comes to our mind is our organ heart. That's not what the Bible talks about. The heart, it speaks about the inner being, the mind, the thoughts, the motives, the desire. Mind or the heart is a fountain from which action springs. If the, the fountain is pure and good, then obviously the stream, the spring that flows from it will be pure. We said heart as in the very core of our being. Praise the Lord. It is that part of us which connects with God and other people. Praise the Lord. Who should guard their heart? Every one of us. None of us at any point are immune. No one has a diplomatic immunity or a saintly immunity from guarding their heart. All of us, we are called to guard our heart. To guard our heart means to be very careful, to, to be diligent against the ploys and the plots and the plan of the enemy. It means to protect and to maintain it with care, love, and discipline. And Solomon says why we should, we should guard our heart? Well, he gives the answer is in part B, because it says it is from out of it flows the issues of life, spring of life. There are various uh, versions, spring of life, wellspring. It all simply means is the source of everything in our life. Our, li our hearts have the potential to overflow into thoughts, into words, into action. And so we said that there, we have to 
guard ourselves because an unguarded heart has the potential to affect other arenas of our life. It could be faith, it could be fellowship, it could be family, it could be friends, it could be finance. So we ought to be very careful from what we should guard our heart. We said, number one, we said from deception. And out in deception, we said, number one deception we said was self-deception, deceiving ourselves. And today we want to move to the next part, which is subtle deception. First one was self-deception. Second one is subtle deception. Well, deception itself can be subtle in nature. Praise the Lord. So the Bible has many verses which reminds us of the subtle deception that can take place in our lives. When our hearts are unguarded, we can be deceived in a very subtle manner. And so I just want to point out a few verses from the scripture. The first verse that I want to take is Paul's quotation from 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habit. When Paul is speaking, he's talking, he's writing, he's, he's using one of the quotes from the Greek poet, and it, which said, evil company corrupts good habit. This was a common saying among the people at that time. And it is applicable in every day and age. Show me your friends and Anyone can say once they see your friends which direction that you are heading to. Praise the Lord. We as children of God, regardless of how young we are, how old we are, we ought to be cautious as to who we hang out with. Praise the Lord. The people that we hang out with has the potential to hang us high. Praise the Lord. The people who we hang out with also has the potential to lead us in the right path. Praise the Lord. There are two groups here. One, the people that we are hanging out with and us. Praise the Lord. So there is always unknowingly, knowingly, in a subtle manner, there is influence that people places upon us. Either we are being influenced or we become an influence. So God wants us to become positive influence on others. Now that's not very easy. To be positive influence, we need to have a character and conviction and commitment. You cannot be a positive influence on others without having the kind of Christ-like character, Christ-like commitment, and Christ-like conviction which stem from the Word of God. When we orient ourselves and make us familiarize ourselves with Christ and His words, 
we are able to have his character, his commitment, his conviction, thereby we are a positive influence from a biblical view on people who are around us. When we ourselves are not strong in the things of God, when we ourselves are not grounded in God's word, when we are not grounded and rooted in the love of God, we can get easily swayed by others. Slowly and steadily, we will find ourselves drifting from faith. Bad company corrupts good habit. Regardless of how good of a home you and I can come up from, regardless of how a Christian home you and I were raised if we put ourselves in bad company, slowly, steadily, the lingo that you use, the language that you use, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you dress, your attitude, your perception, your mindset, everything slowly will be affected and impacted. And if left unchecked, we will be shocked at what the product will be. Therefore, God's people ought to be very careful who we hang out with. This is very important. Parents have to keep a keen eye on their children as to who their friends are. Now, you cannot micromanage them all the time, but we, we ought to as much as possible, we have to impart the truth of God's word in them. And young men, young lady, praise the Lord. Let me tell you, what has been imported into you is not to fill your head with knowledge, but rather so that we can use it in our daily life. Praise God. You and I ought to be on our God. Praise the Lord. Beware who you get involved with. If you are not careful, you can fall in traps of the enemy. Praise the Lord. You know, when we are with unbelievers, we have a tendency when we are not strong to water down the truth of God's word. It is done very subtly. Well, you are right, I am right. You are okay, I am okay. You can believe what you want, I will believe what I want. That's what the world will sell to us. But you and I need to know what the scripture says and we ought to learn to stand on it. Praise the Lord. When the world wants to water down the word of God, dilute the truth of God's word, you and I ought to take a stand for God's word. And when we are hanging out with the wrong crowd, it is not very easy to take, take that particular stand. Praise the Lord. We, quite often, we will find ourselves that we are not able to take a strong stand based on the truth of God's scripture. 
Because we will find when we speak the truth of God's scripture, it becomes offensive to people. So what do we do? We employ, we try to soft pedal it. What do you mean soft pedal it? We want to take it nice and easy. We try to cop out. We try to compromise. And quite often I heard people say, Jesus was the friend of the sinners. Absolutely true. Jesus was the friend of sinners. But the sinners did not influence Jesus, but rather Jesus influenced the sinners. So you and I have been called to do that. But before that, we have to make sure that we know what we believe in. Praise the Lord. See, in our upbringing, in our Christian life, in our Christian maturity, it's absolutely important that we are built on the foundation, the framework of God's word. When we take that lightly, what happens is, Time and tide does not stay for anyone. We will grow with or without the knowledge of God's word. We will continue to grow physically with or without the knowledge of the foundation and the framework of God's word. But all of a sudden, you're going to find yourself in responsible place. Example, you will, be a, you will find yourself as a responsible father, mother, priest of a home. And you will find that God has entrusted you with lambs, entrusted you with offsprings, entrusted you with precious lives into your hands. And all of a sudden, you find yourself that you have been entrusted with the life and the responsibility to raise up the child in the fear of God. But then you find yourself at bay and you ask yourself, hey, you know what? I took this so lightly that I have no clue what I believe. What am I going to impart? Because when all the impartation took place through my home, through the Sunday school, through Awana, through different programs that the church has, I took it lightly. I ignored it. But now I am entrusted with a tremendous responsibility. And you find yourself inadequate. Praise the Lord. This is very serious business. Anybody can become a father. Anybody can become a parent. But to become a godly parent takes energy, effort, and time. How much priority do we give to the things of God's word? How much priority do we give to prayer, devotion, meditation, fellowship? Praise the Lord. Fellowship is not simply coming together and having a bash. There is nothing wrong with it. That is the secondary part of fellowship. Primary fellowship that ought to be maintained, nurtured, and cultivated ought 
to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And from there it stems into each and every one of us. When this connection is weak, when this connection is broken, then the fellowship is only on a natural play plane which will not give us the mileage that we need to run this race. You don't have the energy. You don't have the push. You don't have the vibrancy. You don't have the power. Because the power source is Jesus and God the Father. Praise. So, is this accusing? No. This is admonishing so that we come back into the fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father so that we are able to impart into our children. See, our lifestyle is very important. Praise Lord. Knowingly, unknowingly, we as parents, we are leaving impressions upon our children. Believe it or not. You might not think anything, but I'm telling you, our, our offsprings, they watch us, they observe us, they emulate us. Praise the Lord. They emulate us. Before you know that soft heart, that moldable heart, that impressive mind, you are impressing something upon it which will not be easily erased off. So we want to be godly influence. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And that takes effort and time. And I pray that all of us will do that. Praise the Lord. We need to build quality friendship with unbelievers with the intention of slowly leading them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, let's move forward. Bad company corrupts good character. So no matter how good of a character we have, if we are not careful who we hang out with, they can corrupt your good morals. So beware. Okay? All right. Let's move on. Praise the Lord. Now, we said subtle deception. Now, it's very interesting that in this, within the subtle deception, there are many arenas that the Bible talks about. We have to guard our hearts from subtle deception. So I want to take your attention to three people in the scripture who writes almost the same thing. So, one, you know, Jesus. Now, all the three settings or the context are different. I don't have the time to get, jump into the context of each setting, but I want to draw your attention to what they are saying. One is Jesus, another is Peter, and third is Paul. Each of them, the settings or the context are different, but the warning is the same. Look at the warning. Jesus, Matthew chapter 24, 4. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Jesus is saying, watch out that no one deceives you. Praise the Lord. 
sorry, I said Peter, I meant John. So now look at what John is saying. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. That's First John chapter 3, verse 7. Now Paul, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Ephesians 5, verse 6. So, when we read the Gospels, when we read the epistle, we see Jesus, John, Paul, uses the words, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. Praise Lord. We are moving from self-deception to people around us who have the potential to deceive us. I want you to catch the scope of the words of Jesus, scope of the words of John, scope of the words of Paul. Let no one deceive you. What is comprised in the term no one? No one. Let no one deceive you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It is, you have, you have to catch the scope of that word. Let no one deceive you. It could be a pastor or a preacher. It could be a trainer or a teacher. It could be a saint or a stranger. It could be spouse or your sibling. It could be a friend or a foe. Praise the Lord. When you scan the pages of the Bible, we can see over and over again where people were deceived by others. Now, before we go into another arena, I want to draw the attention of my young brothers and young sisters. I want you to know that you and I live in a world that is wicked and corrupted. A world that wants to prey upon our lives. You and I have been called to pray, P-R-A-Y. But praying people are not immune from praying people, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G. So praying people have to be on God. Now I draw your attention to a few characters from the scripture. Quite often, people think it's the guys who hit on the girls. And the girls think it's the guys who hit on them. The Bible has both examples where the guy tried to hit on the girl and the girl tried to hit on the guy. So first example I draw to your attention is where a young man tried to deceive or deceived a young lady. And I want you to go home and read when you get a chance, 2 Samuel chapter 13. Just go home and read it. I don't have the time to read through, but every guy, every girl should be reading 2 Samuel chapter 13 for your good and for your benefit. Okay? There are two characters, many characters mentioned there, but two main characters. One is a guy named Amnon. And the other guy on the one is a girl named Tamar. All right. Now, do you know who Amnon was? Amnon was King David's son. Do you know who Tamar was? 
Tamar was King David's daughter. So these two are siblings, but they are uh, they have two different mothers, okay? One father, but two different mothers. We see how Amnon deceives his half-sister, Tamar. As you read the Bible, this guy is sick, and you can tag it as he is lovesick. How many of you guys have become lovesick? You look at a girl, and you, you're, you're like lovesick, okay? I don't want to call it lovesick, I think he had a crush on her, all right? How many of you know what a crush is? I wanted to bring the soda can crush and show it to you, but I thought that just telling it, it will, it will come into your mind. Just imagine, crush, okay? A guy has a crush on a girl. When a guy has a crush on a girl, what does he do? He pursues that girl, and he tries to get her attention. We see that Amnon had such a crush on his half-sister. And we see that he employs, he become like so crazy for her that it started showing on his face, it started showing on him. And one of his cousins, Jonadab, asked him, hey, what's the problem? Why are you looking like this? And he shares the secret with him. He says that he has a crush on Tamar. And Jonadab was a very slick guy. What he did was he tells him how to get the attention of this girl, Tamar. And they employ a ploy, deceives their father, King David, and he gets Amnon, gets Tamar to, in the guise of being sick, he gets him into his room. And then we find that Amnon, who claimed that he was lovesick, he defiles his half-sister and deceives her. Tamar was so ignorant that she falls for the plot and the ploy. She was an obedient daughter. She listened to her father. The father was deceived first, and the daughter was deceived next. Praise the Lord. We see that she falls in prey to Amnon, and Amnon defiles his sister. Now I want you to come with me. You know, after he defiles her, the Bible says he hated her. So every young man, young lady, I want you to look at this very carefully. First he claimed that he loved her, and once he defiled her, the Bible says he hated her more than the love that he had exhibited. So do you think that was lovesick? It was not lovesick. It was lust sick. Okay? So we have to understand that scripture teaches us the nature of love. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is, love is, love is patient. Lust is impatient. Love is kind. Lust is unkind. Love is not self-seeking. Lust is self-seeking. So you need to understand that there is a big difference. And we ought to be on our God. Unfortunately, Tamar was not on her God 
nor was her father on God. And we see then from there, it was a spiral downward. Praise the Lord. See, we have to understand, we live in a very wicked world. Okay? So every young man, young lady has to guard your heart. This is very important. And parents have a role too. Praise the Lord. Children might think or our kids might think that we are overreaching. But let me tell you, you as a parent, you have a responsibility. I have shared this here before. I knew of a young man who was part of our church once. He always used to have a mindset that the parents are being too much overreaching into his business. And this is how he used to say, this is my business. It's my business and doesn't matter. My parents need to keep out of it. If my parents have to keep out of my business, that means my teachers have to keep out of my business. That means my pastor has to keep out of my business. Fast forward. Years passed by. He became a parent. I bumped into him. I saw how he was dealing with his kid. And I asked him, hey, is this okay? Aren't you overreaching? He looked at me, he smiled and he laughed and he said, I know what you are trying to say. I said, I would like to know what has changed. He says, a lot has changed. I am a parent now. Yeah. So sometimes our children might not appreciate it. They might not like it. It's okay. We are not, we don't want to offend them, but we want to protect them. So as protection, there is what? In protection, there is restriction. Within protection, there is prohibition. This is something that we have to tell our children and we ought to tell each other. So we see that Amnon used her, abused her, and threw her out. God's children ought to be on God that we do not allow Anyone, because the Bible says, no one should deceive us. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's move on. The first one is a guy deceiving a girl. The next one is a girl deceiving a guy. Okay, of course we know. Delilah and Samson. But there is something that we need to know here. The ugliness and the danger of deceit is seen easily in others than in ourselves. When we talk about deception, we only think about others who deceive us. But one way is to make sure that we don't deceive anyone. Praise the Lord. Delilah was a deceitful woman. Her lips was full of honey, but her heart was full of poison. Okay? Lips was full of honey, but her heart was full of poison. She was cold and calculated in bringing down Samson. She toyed with his feelings, with his emotions, and she brought him down. Praise the Lord. You and I, when every time I read that part, I ask myself, how foolish Samson could be. 
Four times Delilah took him for a ride and this guy could not understand and learn from the lesson before. We think Samson was foolish, but quite often we also do foolish things. Maybe not in this realm, but in another realms in our lives where we position ourselves place ourselves in questionable areas with questionable people in arenas which are vulnerable. So as men and women of God, we ought to protect our heart. We have to avoid falling prey to deceit by asking God to give us the spirit of discernment so that we can distinguish between right and wrong, truth and false, good and evil. Sometimes the demarcation line is very clouded, but you need, if we ask the Lord, he will help you. So young man, young lady in this church, I want to, I as your pastor, I want to tell you, when you look at a chick, don't look at that chick and think just by the looks that that's for you. Because the Bible says beauty is fleeing and charm is deceptive. So when you look at a chick, you need to have the mind of God. Because the chick might, it might be able to give you hiccups in the future. And for all of my good Young ladies, when you look at a guy, don't fall for him because he looks like a handsome hunk, you know? Being a handsome hunk could be good. Who doesn't want a handsome hunk by your side? Everybody wants to be. But beneath the handsome hunk, you want to make sure that he is not a punk. And sometimes it takes time to know who is a punk and who is not a punk. Every punk does not walk around with a sign on his forehead saying, I am a punk. You need to have the discernment to know who is a punk and who is a child of God. Praise the Lord. So we have to be careful that you don't simply give your heart out to every Tom and every Harry. Praise the Lord. You have to be careful who you give your heart to. Listen, I as a pastor, I deal with a lot of people. I deal with people inside and outside also. Sometimes people make haste and they regret in leisure. Sometimes people come to me and say, hey, I think I made a mistake. I say, you need to live with your mistake. What do you do? Well, you need to ask God to intervene. And what? Bring about a transformation in the mistake that you think that you are in. That's all you can do. And if you are diligent, God, will, God might do it for you. But it's a hard road you choose. And you don't need to choose hard roads unnecessarily. Life in itself is not easy. So you want someone by your side who will 
lead you, guide you in God's path. And as time goes on, you want your offsprings, your posterity should be directed and raised by godly spouses. So let's move on. So make sure that we don't fall for subtle deception by others, okay? By others. One second, I want to touch the context, okay? In doctrines, in teachings of the Bible, it is very important that we know the truth of God's word. If you don't know the truth of God's word, anyone can deceive you by false teaching, by wrong doctrines. You and I live in a world where there is so much is creeping, seeping into the church of Jesus Christ. The word has to influence the world. The church has been entrusted with the infallible word of God. And it is the responsibility of the church collectively as individually to influence the world. When the church sees us to influence the world, an automatic thing takes place. The reverse takes place. The world starts to influence the church and it happens slowly and steadily so i want to call on the leaders of this church regardless of what position you hold on in the church as much as you guard your heart god has entrusted you with a flock the size of the flock may vary with your leadership position and the role that you have been given. Maybe you are a Sunday school teacher. You have a small flock, tender flock, maybe two, maybe three, maybe five, maybe seven, maybe 10, maybe 20. Maybe you might be a youth leader. You have a flock, young, vibrant, robust, bursting with energy under your care. You have been called to protect them from teachings that are not of the word of God. You cannot allow the culture to seep into their lives. You cannot allow the godless culture, the antichrist culture, the worldly culture, the worldly customs to creep into their life and influence their life. Beware, you are accountable. All of us as leaders are accountable. We are serving a great God under the chief shepherd, under the great shepherd. You and I, we are under shepherds. As under shepherds, we have been entrusted. Number one, guard your heart. Number two, guard your flock. If you don't guard your heart, you cannot guard the flock. If you are not maintaining your heart, if you are not maintaining, disciplining your mind by the things of God, if you are allowing the world to contaminate and corrupt your imagination, your thought 
life, the way you think, the way you act personally in your personal life, slowly, steadily, you will rub it on the people that you are ministering. Praise the Lord. You might think that no one notices, but I want to bring it to your attention. The great shepherd, the chief shepherd, he has an eye on you and I as an under shepherd. If you and I cannot be faithful to the call that God has placed upon us, it's better to step out than to be in a role where you are promoting anything that is out of the scripture because God will hold us accountable. Mind you, I didn't say God will hold you accountable. I said God will hold us accountable. This is a serious business. Guarding of our heart. Praise the Lord. We can only guard the flock effectively as much as we guard our hearts effectively. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Shall we move on? Praise God. Shall we move on? Praise God. Deception. The scripture talks about another kind of deception. And I want to draw your attention to the words of Paul. 2 Corinthians 11, 2. Just as he was deceived by the serpents, cunning, cunning, your mind may be somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul is warning about the false prophets. And as he's warning about the false prophets, he draws their attention to Eve in the Garden of Eden. The serpent deceived Eve. Praise the Lord. How cunning he was. He employed what? To deceive Eve. Tell me. We all know this. What did he say? Did God really say? So what did he do? He put doubt into her mind. Then he offered her something beyond, likely, seemingly beyond what God offered. He said, you shall become like? Praise the Lord. See, deceptions have offers. Every offer that you and I get, we have to carefully scrutinize it. Because where Satan is involved in deception, the consequences are beyond our imagination. When Eve succumbed to Satan's deception, she had no clue the impact that it will have not only on her immediately, but on the human race. Praise the Lord. So we have to be very careful. We are not Adam and Eve, but God has placed us in different arenas. When you and I fall for the ploy of Satan, praise the Lord, it could be through people, through false prophets, through people who peddle, the other gospel, Paul puts it like this, the 
other gospel. The alternative. Praise the Lord. There is a lot of alternatives that are floating around in this world. Praise. Alternative to the truth of God's word. Which says that you don't have to be so tight about the gospel. You don't have to be so stringent about the gospel. You have to give leverage. You have to give elbow room. Where God is stringent, we have to be stringent. Where God is strict, we have to be strict. Where God draws the line, we have to draw the line. Where God has put the boundary, we have to maintain that boundary. Anytime we lose, take that boundary off, it brings consequences that you and I are not able to handle. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Paul gives another warning that he talks about Satan. How does he operate? Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. In other words, other versions says he masquerades as an angel of light. Light brings comfort. Light brings knowledge. Light brings revelation. Light brings illumination. Light brings truth. And we have an inclination towards that light. But so what does Satan do? He masquerades as an angel of light. In other words, he offers an alternative light. And thereby, he deceives people who have good desires. Praise the Lord. Because Satan knows if he portrays himself as devilish, if he portrays himself as horrible, horrendous, if he portrays himself as dangerous, no loving, no truth-seeking, light-seeking people will fall for it. So what does he do? He employs the trick. He masquerades himself. In other words, he masks himself. He puts on the facade of light. Praise the Lord. And he tries to deceive people. Praise the Lord. So they are deceived into following into Darkness. We as children of God, we need to have the discernment to discern between the truth and the false, discernment between the authentic and the counterfeit. Do you know how you can identify the counterfeit from the authentic? By familiarizing yourself with the authentic. When you familiarize yourself with the authentic, you are able to easily detect the counterfeit. When we don't read God's word, when we don't take time to hear God's word, what happens is anybody can pull you down because you are not familiarized with the authentic. If you're dealing with bills, whether it is $100 bills or $1 bills, when you're constantly dealing with the bills, your fingers have the tendency to touch the bill and get a feel between the authentic and the counterfeit. Even as you count it, nowadays, thank God we have the machines, it will detect the the counterfeit but as you familiarize you with yourself with the authentic God's word you're able to detect your mind the Holy Spirit in you would warn you saying beware beware 
And Satan constantly tries to trap God's people. Praise the Lord. This is how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 190, verse 130. The unfolding of your word gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Praise the Lord. We might be simple, but if you want understanding, you need to orient yourself, immerse yourself, saturate yourself in God's word because the light of God's word will illuminate our heart and will give us clarity to make decisions and right choices in our lives. How do we get deceived? Quite often, very easy, very simple, very subtle. Praise the Lord. Small compromises in life will take us for a high ride. So therefore, we ought to be very, very careful. Praise the Lord. How do we guard our heart? Huh? We need to guard our heart. What is the driving force to guard our heart? Number one, your allegiance to Jesus. Your allegiance to Jesus, your loyalty to Jesus. Now, I know there's a lot of husband and wives here, spouses here. Now, imagine. It's just an imagination, right? Suppose your spouse were to know every thought that goes through your spouse's mind. If your husband were to know every thought that goes through your mind. And every, every wife knew every thought that goes through the husband's mind. Am I making you feel uncomfortable? See, a husband's heart and a wife's heart has to be loyal to each other. Can you imagine if there is unloyalty? And unloyalty does not happen overnight. It starts with our mind. First, it starts in our mind. Then it flows into our system. Then it comes into our action. Then it comes into our words. Then it slowly, slowly, it takes over our entire being. Now, that's an example. This is not about husband and wife. Now, think about your heart towards Jesus, towards God. How loyal it is. How loyal it is. So guarding our heart means I am loyal to Jesus. I have pledged my allegiance to Jesus. Baptism is a pledge of a good conscience towards God. So I pledge my allegiance to Jesus. But the question is, are you maintaining that allegiance? Thank God that our wives and our husbands cannot read our mind. But God can. He can. So if there is an iota of disloyalty within us towards Christ, he knows it. So guarding our heart means being loyal to Jesus. And not allowing anything that questions, that compromises that loyalty. Praise the Lord. Listen, David pens a word, and I want to bring this to your attention. It's so beautiful. He says, and I quote it often in the church, 
thy word have I hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. Okay, shall we as a church repeat it? Thy word have I hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. Okay, we're going to split these words into two. First is, thy word have I hid in my heart. The next part is, so that I might not sin against it. So the first part, thy word have I hid in my heart is memorization, memorizing the scripture. So that I might not sin against this is application. Every memorization should lead to application. If we memorize the scripture and if we do not apply it, it does no good. The word has been given so that what has been memorized will be applied. David pens this down, but in his life, what happens is what he penned down, he was not able to apply. This happens to children of God also. Okay? What we have memorized, we are not able to apply it. Listen, an effective application of what we have memorized in our life allows us to stand the ground. Praise the Lord. So as God's people, we want to store God's word. So I want to ask, do we have God's word stored in our heart? Because the Holy Spirit that indwells within us will remind us of an applicable scripture so that we can stand against the deception of the enemy. This isn't that what Jesus did. When Jesus was tempted, when Satan tried to deceive him by asking him to do things that he ought not to, Jesus pulled out applicable scripture to the to the deception or to the temptation that has brought, was brought to him. If I only know Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In every temptation, thank God, there are universal words. But sometimes when the assault is heavy, you need to take the right words. Praise the Lord. So David pens it saying, Thy word have I hid in my heart, so that I might not sin against thee. Unfortunately, there was time in David's life, what was stored in his heart, he could not apply it. Which causes David-like syndrome. Do you know what David-like syndrome is? The ineffective way of parenting. I'm going to conclude here because the time is up. David-like syndrome is the inability to function effectively as a parent. I will give you an example. David found out what Amon did to Tamar. And he was angry. He was furious. But David did what? What did David do? Nothing. Do you know why David did nothing? Because in the same realm, David was disqualified. So he was not a fact. He could not put his foot down and do what needed to be done. He left it as is. That's David-like syndrome. But let me tell you, we do not have to live in guilt. Praise God. Any 
man can fall, fail, falter. We are not harboring, dwelling on David-like syndrome. If David-like syndrome has come about in our life, or any syndrome that disqualifies us from functioning effectively under, under the authority that God has given us, you can come into his presence and say, Lord, Lord, I did what? I made a mistake. I confess my sin. I renounce them. I repent. Let me tell you. This is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether you identify with David or you identify with Amnon or you identify with Tamar, in Christ today, you have a way out. That's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. You and I are not condemned forever. You and I do not have to live in the guilt of the error that we made in life. Whether it's David or whether it's Amnon who did something which was grossly wrong. Or Tamar who was a victim. Everyone can come out of it. Praise God. This is what gospel offers. That's what Jesus offers and no one else will offer that. Praise the Lord. The church of Jesus Christ ought to thrive on this knowledge. We are not perfect, but we are on the way to perfection. So if we have erred in life, we don't have to stay and live in the error and carry guilt for the rest of your life. No! Get off! Satan is the one who takes us on a guilt trip. Jesus takes us on a glory trip. Praise God. Don't fall prey for guilt. Praise God. Jesus can wash us, cleanse us, make us whole, and give us new lease, new leash to life. Praise God. Once we have our heart cleaned and cleansed, what do we do? We guard our heart. We don't repeat the mistake over and over and over again. But the mistakes that we have done when we confess, when we repent, praise the Lord. What happens? Praise God. What happens? Jesus brings liberty and freedom. I'm going to wrap this up. Praise the Lord. Don't want to come back with the same title next week. Praise the Lord. You know, Solomon as he pens it, now as you read down, he shows us the extension of the heart, how it affects our life. He says it affects our speech, it affects our tongue, it affects our ears, it affects our eyes, every arena is affected. So we have to protect our heart and we have to make sure the eye gate, the ear gate, they all are protected. What you see, what you hear. Images are powerful. Images are powerful. They leave an impression in your mind. That's the reason porn and pornography should be 
kept at bay at all cost because that can leave an image upon your mind. Many families are broken because addiction to pornography comes into life and when it is not able, when they are not able to enact it in their own life, they fail in their family life. Watch what you watch. Watch what you read. Watch what you observe. Watch what you hear. Protect your eye gate, your ear gate. Final verse. Solomon puts it like this. He ends with the path and with his ways. This is what he says. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Where did it all start? Guard your heart. I want you to look at your feet. I want you to look at your feet. Look at your feet. I know you have a sock, whatever you are. Solomon says, make sure that you keep your feet from, keep your feet from paths of evil. If you don't guard this, it's going to take, this is going to take you to places that you want to be. This will take you to places that you should not be if you don't guard this. And do you know, God gives premium to your feet. He wants your feet, my feet to be beautiful feet. What feet? Beautiful feet. Not beautiful legs. Beautiful feet. What's the beautiful feet in the scripture? Feet, how beautiful are the feet of those who praise the Lord. Wow. So look at your feet and say, Yo, my, my feet is beautiful according to God. And you feel that your feet is not beautiful. What do you need to do? What do you need to do? Ha ha. Praise the Lord. Have, did you know that you can carry this? And it can impact your heart. It can impact your eyes. It can impact your ear. It can impact your mouth. And it can make your feet beautiful. Praise the Lord. So as you walk out of this place, tap, dance, because we have what? Beautiful feet. Praise God. A good heart ends up with a beautiful feet. That's why when you come to worship, you should be ready to jump up and down and give thanks to the Lord and make sure that we do everything that will keep our life beautiful. Praise God. Shall we close our eyes for one minute as we are going to pray? Can you commit yourself to the Lord? Put your hands on your heart and say, Lord, Give me the wisdom to protect and guard my heart. I want to transmit godly morals into my next generation. I want to impact not only my life. I want to impact the life of my next generation. And so Father, knowingly, unknowingly, if I have slipped 
David syndrome, Amnon syndrome, Tamar syndrome, Samson syndrome, whatever it is, you and I don't have to dwell there. We can get up and we can have a guilt-free life. Father, we yield our lives to you. Father, we just hold fast to you, Lord. We acknowledge that we can't pull it by ourselves, but we thank you for all the resources that you have given us. The Holy Spirit in us, your word in our heart, the fellowship of the saints, your presence and your power and the grace to live a life that is pleasing to you. Grant us grace. In Jesus' name, amen.